morning. How many of you were shocked out of your comfort by the surprising storm that blew in last night? We have some weather fanatics at our house, and they failed to let us know that was coming. So it was a big surprise. And it reminded me of, in fact, caused me to change my title this morning, that we have a God who's a God of surprises. We have an example of that here as we see Jesus coming into the room of his disciples. And when God comes in surprising ways, God brings many blessings when he comes. And so as we think this morning about the surprise of God and the surprises of God and the blessings that God brings into our lives with those surprises, may we be blessed as we think upon these things. Let's pray for a moment. Father, this morning as we come and encounter one of your surprises, we recognize that when you come, you bring blessing. That when you come, you change things. Things never stay the same. This morning we ask that you might bring us one of those surprises into our lives, into our midst. That you might be here present with us in a very tangible way, just as the wind blows and we don't know where it came from or where it's going, but we know when it's upon us. May you be with us this morning and may our lives be touched by your presence. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So in this surprising moment, as the disciples are gathered together, we recognize that they're sort of in a state of shock. Um, We were relaxed yesterday evening when the surprising storm came up, so the analogy doesn't fit completely. The disciples, however, were in a state of shock, disbelief, some believing. They didn't know what to think or what to do. They were afraid of the Jews, the Romans. They went into a gathering place to try to figure it all out. They locked the door. There was nothing but uncertainty in their life, nothing but fear and concern and worry What are we to do now? Have you ever been there? Looking at your life and circumstances maybe not the best and not sure what to do and you maybe lock the door of your heart. Maybe close off to God. And in that quiet, dark space, just try to figure out what to do. Thank God that God knows us in those moments too. Because here we see that Jesus doesn't even bother to knock doesn't even bother to let them know he's coming, just like the storm last night, just as there. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves experiencing the very presence of God, the blessings of God, out of nowhere, just surprise. God is here. Jesus comes into their midst and brings blessings. As we enter into the passage, we, hear, we see the very first thing that he says to his troubled and worried and anxious disciples, peace be with you. He says it again later. He says it to Thomas when Thomas meets up with him beyond this event. Wherever Christ comes, he brings peace. The reality is the presence of God is a presence of peace. You and I, in our turmoil and in our fears and in our struggles, we begin to experience a restlessness. We lose that sense of tranquility. And when we do, we also lose our balance, don't we? 
We lose our stability. We lose our certainty. And as the disciples were, we don't know what to do when we lose that peace within. When God comes, when God surprises us, he blows us over, if you will, with peace and fills us with tranquility, fills with us with a restfulness, fills us with a balance. Fear and turmoil are gone. The noise of anxiety and worry we cannot seem to find, though we do at times look for them. The peace of God, and it is a peace that is a, uh, really first between us and God. It's a peace with God. Then it's really the peace of God. It's a peace then that expands to peace with ourselves. We can let ourselves off the hook. We can forgive ourselves. We can allow ourselves to, to love the person that we are most intimate with, and that is me. We can have peace with others. No more fighting and turmoil in relationship to others. We can be at peace. Even if others won't be at peace with us, we can be at peace with them. And therefore, we can be peacemakers. We can bring peace to the world. And what was Jesus if he wasn't the Prince of Peace? Amen? He brought peace. And we also can be peacemakers. And so Christ, when he comes into our lives in surprising ways, he brings peace. We also see in this passage that he brings purpose. He tells the disciples clearly, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Now you've got a purpose. Now your life has meaning. You didn't know what to do before I came, but now you do know what to do. And when we think about the life of Christ, what else can we summarize it to be other than a life that shows the love of God? Jesus himself said, it's by love that all men are going to know you're my disciples. Now we have failed at that very often, haven't we? So often we show so many other things, but love. Folks, if we are going to be like God, we've got to be people of love. The very purpose for Christ's coming was to demonstrate the love of God to us and for us. And so our very purpose is wrapped up now in this mission. No matter what you do, what your career is, what your path is, what your walk of life is, what your relationships are, you and I are called to be instruments of love. That's it. That is what all the law and all the prophets hang upon. If we love God and love ourselves and love each other, we are fulfilling our purpose. And so Christ has come to bring peace, to bring purpose. He also tells his disciples and you and I today that his presence brings power. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says to his disciples. And we know that the Holy Spirit was a spirit of power. It is an internal work that God is interested in doing. So often we in, in the church community or even in religious circles, we think of our faith life as something on the outside. We have a list of things that we should do and another list on the other side of things that we shouldn't do. And we compare ourselves to that list and we compare others to that list. And when we do that, we actually are turning ourselves away from God and others also. God has come to do something totally different. He doesn't care about that. He wants to change us on the inside. He gives us the spirit to live in that we might live a spiritual life, an inner life. The Christ in us is the hope of glory. And that inner life of Christ becomes a life of power. Power to overcome our own weaknesses. Power to persevere in whatever difficulties we face. Power to be the instrument that God calls us to be. Power to accomplish the impossible. Power to do what we thought we could never do. 
Which leads me to my next point, and that is that when Christ comes, he brings a different perspective, doesn't he? We know that Thomas, we've heard several times, had a hard time with the whole thing. No way that I can believe. I I think this was a great person, and I loved being with him, even though I had a hard time with some of the things that he said. But I I don't believe that he's alive. I saw him at the cross. I saw him breathe his last. And so Thomas gets personal attention, as you and I do, when we struggle in our doubt. Aren't you glad that when our doubt clouds our faith that God doesn't forsake us? He doesn't get offended at us. In fact, God doesn't get offended. God loves us. Surprising that we often are so easily offended when our God is not. Perspective changed. Jesus said, okay, if Thomas needs to touch my wounds, then he'll touch my wounds because I love him and I want him to believe. And so Jesus goes to Thomas Thomas does that very thing, and then he believes. His perspective is changed. He now believes that the impossible is possible. Aren't we told that God himself is one who calls those things which are not as though they are? Think about that for a minute. The entire universe that we live in, the entire cosmos, including you and me, once was not. wasn't here. I I, I don't know what was here, but this wasn't. It was in the mind of God, in the being of God, and God called it forth because God's the God of the impossible, and he still is today. God still does the impossible. Do you believe that? Because if you do believe that, your your whole perspective will change. Everything in life then becomes possible. You cannot say that you cannot. You are possible. Your dreams can be fulfilled. In fact, Jesus himself said, greater works will you do than I have done because I go to my Father. Now, Jesus did some pretty incredible things, and yet he said, we'll do greater works? You see, Jesus constantly was in the mindset of doing the impossible because he knew that God, the Father, is a God of the impossible. So whatever challenges we face, they're not there to discourage us They're not there to cause us to close the door of our heart and life on God. They're there to cause us to see that, you know what? With God, I can do this. Amen? With God, there is a way. With God, I can overcome. With God, I can write that book. With God, I can find that job. With God, I can fix that relationship. With God, I can overcome whatever is put into my path. Perspective changes, doesn't it? When God moves into our life. He brings that blessing. And lastly, there's a blessing of perseverance. You can't hide it here. When we think about the issue of the resurrection, we're thinking about life and death. No matter what, if we live our life in this world, three score and 10, and there's no hope beyond the grave, then we really need to spend most of our time avoiding that real question. But when we think of the resurrection, we are given a glimpse into this reality. We have perseverance. Yes, over every trial. Yes, we can overcome every obstacle. Yes, we can have peace in every every storm. Yes, our life can have purpose. But ultimately, it's all going to be meaningless if at the end, it's over and there's nothing beyond that. Christ rose from the dead. And we're told in the Gospels and in the New Testament that because Christ arose, you and I, have eternal life. 
When you see that loved one in the cemetery, when you look at your own end, it's not the end. You and I, though we look at each other and see our bodies, we are souls. We are eternal souls. God breathed into you the breath of life, and here you are. And your body is your house for now. One day, you'll leave this body. And when you leave, you'll still live on. You will be with God forever. We don't know what happens beyond that. But we know because of the resurrection, we have perseverance. Your loved ones that you've lost, they're not lost. You'll see them again. You, when you think about those days ahead of you and facing illness or facing death, many of you aren't thinking about that. You're young. Some of us are growing a little bit older in kind of the middle of that somewhere. Some of us are closer to the end. Know today that you will live forever. Amen? Christ arose, and we will persevere. May we pray. Thank you this day, our Father, for the blessings of your surprise when you come into our life and you radically change it. We give you praise for that, and we ask that you keep doing that because we keep needing it. Do it in our lives today. Let us be changed as we think about your surprises. And let us open our heart, expecting you, expecting your blessings to change our lives, that we might be the better for it, and that we might serve you more effectively until that day that we're with you in your heavenly glory to join those that have gone before. Thank you, Christ, for giving us this hope because of your resurrection. In his name we pray. Amen.